Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Sean Carey Tattoo. We're going to be talking UFC Denver, Shevchenko versus Pena, and Donald Cowboy Cerrone versus Jorge Masvidal. Sean Carey Tattoo, the UFC's back. How's it going, man? I'm good. I'm, I'm glad it's back, especially after that Bellator freaking blunder. It's freaking horrible. Oh, my God. How many hours for five fights? 17 hours for five fights, I think it was. It was eight hours of fight. It was terrible. Since the last time we spoke, we had our max play on Yair Rodriguez against BJ Penn. I mean, we knew it was going to be a beatdown, but, I mean, did you know it was going to be like that? I mean, we sent fancy kicks upside his head until he gets knocked out. So, you know, uh, not going to toot too hard. That's an easy one, but toot toot. It was fancy kicks all upside his head. That's how it went. I mean, it's not even about tooting, man. It's about the performance itself because, like, yeah, we knew he was going to finish him, but, like, I didn't know he was going to fucking, like, you know, destroy him like that because, like, we were talking about the progression of BJ's career where, like, you know, he he had the close draw with John Fitch. Then he got his face destroyed by Nick Diaz. Then he wobbled for the first time against Rory. Then he got stopped for the real first time against Frankie. And now, you know, he still had the the claim that he's never been knocked down or knocked out, now he's been knocked down and knocked out. So it was pretty much a, you know, completing a, what needed to be completed. I mean, basically the only reason to not think what we thought was that uh, BJ had somehow used car salesmen into, into thinking that he was going to come back and fight, and he had zero. I think he landed two punches, right? Maybe. Man, he's the best in the world at getting you to believe that he's back, dude. He, you know, if you take a business class, you want to learn from him. But, dude, the reason I bring up that fight is because we had a max play on it. And I heard a rumor that you got a max play on this fight between Li Jingliang, who's minus 140, and Bobby Nash, who's plus 120. Now, real quick, question for the audience. Do you think that Sean Carey Tattoo has a max play on the Michigan State wrestler? Or do you think that Sean Carey Tattoo has a max play on the best Chinese fighter of all time? I want you to pause this real quick <laughs> and send me a message and tell me what you think. What does he have a max play on? The Michigan State wrestler or the best Chinese fighter of all time? Pause this and let me know. Sean Carey, which one is it, dude? It's going to be the Chinaman today. Wow. I, I know it's a, it's a little bit, yeah, it's kind of crazy. But I can't, I can't help it because when I dug into this fight, it jumped, and and just the thing about the Chinese guy, I'm I'm with you on the Chinese guy. I'm totally there with you. But on this card, uh, everybody is smoking the fuck out of an untested French French prospect. Okay, and there's there's a Mexican kicker that we that we like too. So maybe it's time these molds get broken, huh? You never know. Uh, when I go to dig into this fight, I saw Nash, and I was like, ooh. And the more I watched, it just got grosser and grosser and grosser. And I have a history of uh, of betting on Little Jangalang. He's always a little bit undervalued, um, and he he's won a lot basically, uh, usually as a dog, until Zafir. I think maybe he wasn't the dog against Nakamura. I could be wrong. I think he was a favorite against that. Anyway, when you watch Nash, uh, he's a wrestler. Uh, his striking is basically like circa 2011 Phil Davis. It's a lot of get away from me, a lot of really wide looping punches. Uh, 
he seems to carry some power, but nothing, literally nothing else, nothing else. Okay. Especially the kicks are, are tremendously horrible where he's, he's often just throws himself off balance. His cardio looks to be about six or six and a half minutes. Uh, his takedown for setups is basically the same thing every time, which is he kind of waves his arm at you and then goes for a double leg. And then as soon as that either works or doesn't work, he waves his arm at you and goes for a double leg. And he repeatedly does that. This guy has only fought in the Midwest circuit, Michigan type stuff. Uh, he's lost there. He's lost there to a nobody. You could say that that guy's a tough out, but he's not. You know what I'm saying? He might be a tough out for a regional guy who's never going to get anywhere. But in this case, that's, that's who we're talking about. But he's not a tough out. He, he was as gassed as Nash was, and he just did a little bit more. Uh, Nash, the, the, the thing about him on top, not really much there. Uh, on bottom, zero. Zero there. Nothing off his back at all. Just completely fish out of water there. On top, he's gotten reversed. Uh, he's gotten swept multiple times uh, for a wrestler. He's not very wrestly. Okay. There's just nothing going on with this guy. This guy is not ready. He's uh, a late replacement and a debut. Well, late replacement debut combo are automatically, you got to look at fading them. When you look at this guy and throw that in the mix, it's even worse. Okay. It's not good. Go watch him yourself. You'll see what I'm talking about. He's super goofy. The stand-up defense is not there. He gets hit by all these guys. It's not good. Little Jang Lang, on the other hand, you know, okay, he's Chinese. You got me. He's definitely Chinese. He did pull off a victory against David Maichode, one of our favorites. He's, he was able to shut down and sprawl on some takedowns, but he basically kind of outworked. Uh, his problem, and, and it could be a problem in this fight, is that he's not really trying to work off his back too much. Sometimes he's probably looking to hold you until he gets a rest step, a stop it, uh, stand up, excuse me, which is an even worse idea. As of lately, he started to get up. As of lately, he's been sweeping people. As of lately, he's been, he's been trying on submissions. David Maichode beats Nash easily, Okay. Will Jangling goes to a split with Nordin Taleb. He holds his own with the striking with, with Taleb, shuts down some takedowns from Taleb. Uh, at one point, throws a six-punch combo, gets close, chest-to-chest, grabs Taleb, and throws him through the fucking air, hip-tosses him. Doesn't hold him down for long, but six-punch combination to a hip throw on a huge fucking guy like that, that's saying something. Uh, showed great cardio in that fight. Loses a split. Okay. Nordine Taleb beats the ever-living shit out of Nash. That happens, okay? Diego Lima has his dangerous points, but that chin, okay? But Lil Jang Lang treats him like Diego Lima, backs him up against the cage in the first round, bombs on him, knocks him unconscious. We like that. Diego Lima beats the shit out of Nash, okay? Keita Nakamura who's no joke. We've seen the fact that he's no joke. He might be a middle-of-the-road jobber type, but as far as a journeyman goes, he's tough to deal with. He has very dangerous tools. Look at the, the first round. He, he gets on top of Jang Lang, holds him down. Not great. We, we don't want that. Second round, Jang Lang counters everything, beats the shit out of the guy, looks to be ready to finish him. In the third round, he makes 
a shitty error against a super veteran guy with 45 fights or something like that and gets choked out. Okay. Many people that we like in the UFC have lost to uh, worse things than that, and we haven't condemned them. Uh, this, this is not a condemning thing for, for Lil Jang Lang, in my opinion. Uh, Kaden Nakamura beats the shit and the piss out of Nash. Anton Severe. Anton Severe uh, rushes Lil Jang Lang, gets a takedown. Lil Jang Lang muscles him, reverses him, throws him, chases him into the cage, Hits him, gets a takedown, gets on top of him, hits him with two coffin nails, knocks him out, and gets a stoppage. Anton Severe maybe beats Nash. Maybe. Okay? We've got a guy. He's got six fights in the UFC. He's huge. He's got decent cardio. He throws in combo. He's got great counters. Hits hard. It's just these two guys are not in the same league. I'm looking for a minus 250. It comes out minus 140. Uh, that's max play territory. I'm going to sink or swim with this, with this Chinese ship. I'm totally okay with it if he gets wrestled, but he's not going to get wrestled. He's going to stalk Nash into the cage, hold him there, let him go, get his own takedowns on the Michigan wrestler, beat him up, and knock him out. And it's going to be ugly, and he's going to look good. Um, I've got five units on Yair from last week and Lil Jangalang from this week. It pays even money. Damn, son. He's going for it. Five units. And I mean, look, the bottom line is Bobby Nash, he's stiff as a board in the stand-up. I mean, I compare this guy to Gareth McClellan. He's like an American Gareth McClellan. You know, don't let the wrestling credentials fool you because it's not—it's really not there, man. Especially uh, with the MMA wrestling. He doesn't set it up that well. And in the pocket, I mean, when, when he's throwing his punches, he stays in the pocket with his hands down and he can be countered easily. He's slow. He's not really athletic. This is a good spot for Xing uh, Liang to shine and hopefully get a finish. So I hope you cash that max bet. Next up, we have Rafael Asuncao. He's minus 140, and Aljamain Sterling is plus 120. Now, I really looked forward to fading Aljamain Sterling in the last one at plus 350 versus Caraway because, you know, he had to take that first L. And there's a good chance he takes that second L here. The thing with this matchup that's kept me away from betting Rafael Asuncao is that with these young guys like Aljamain Sterling, you never know what kind of improvements they're going to make in a short period of time. Because, I mean, obviously he's a freak athlete, but he's super young, man. So remember with, like, Andre Feely, how he gets knocked out by Yair Rodriguez, then he comes back and he destroys Hakran Diaz? That's the kind of improvements that these young guys are making in short amounts of time. So what if Aljamain Sterling comes out looking better? But the bottom line is he's looked really lost on his feet, Obviously, his grappling is funky. I mean, they call him the funk master for a reason, but he kind of has that bully mentality where, you know, if he can't get you out of there and you start to put it on him, you know, he will break a little bit. Rafael has got him beat everywhere. And, I mean, it, this isn't striker versus grappler at all. Rafael's a legit black belt. So I think Rafael's got him beat everywhere, but the thing with Rafael is he's literally always injured, man. I mean, we don't know if he's going to be showing up in shape. I mean, last time... Oh, excuse me, I, that's not what I meant. He's always in shape. I mean, last time he was injured. We don't know if he's going to be showing up healthy. That's what I meant to say. You know, this dude's always nursing an injury, so I, I can't bet on him for that reason. But, I mean, I do think he has Sterling beat everywhere. And I, Sterling has addressed the altitude. Uh, I don't know if Rafael has, but it's going to be a, a good three-round fight. And may the best man win. I got Rafael soon, but I, I can't bet it, dude. You know, it's funny because with 
the Longo gym, the Longo Sarah gym, it's been criticized. You know, they haven't been putting up wins lately, but they're still a gym that has wins over Anderson Silva and GSP. So you can't discredit them in that. You know what I mean? But uh, we'll see. We'll see what Sterling brings to the table. I got a Sun Sal. Um, I've got Sterling. I like him by decision. Um, I think somebody with Sterling's mentality, I think this win is going to be, or excuse me, I think his last loss is going to be a big deal for him. I think he was embarrassed by that. I think he's learned that he is not invulnerable. I think uh, he seems like the type of guy to come back stronger after that and not shit his pants after that. He's super young. Uh, he's got all the talent in the world, as we can see. We know for sure that the striking's got problems. I'm not too sure that the striking improved last time out. Um, I, you know, I really don't want him to strike. If you're betting on him in this fight, you don't really want that. You want top control the whole time. So hopefully we don't even fucking find out, to tell you the truth. Um, this could easily be a, a thing of just, you know, a sunset. Where where does he have to go? Is the, is the game passing by? that long-ass break, you know what I'm saying? You see the close fight with Dillashaw, then you see what that fight looks like when he comes back. Not that it was a destruction. Like, it was fairly competitive. Uh, the dude definitely has uh, physical skills, you know what I mean? But, like you said, you know, the funky style, the weird things, the things that, that, that uh, you know, don't want to compare to John Jones too much, but that that kind of thing, this... Aljo could come up with something new at any point, and that new thing could be something that people copy for the next couple of years. He's that, he's that kind of guy. I think he only goes up. I think this is a great fight for him. I think he's going to come into this renewed and confident and, and ready to go. I think he at least takes two rounds off of Sunsau just from cage control and just from being on top, uh, possibly staying way outside and, and just voluming with kicks. Uh, not that they'll hit him or do any damage, but... I, can the Sun Sal reach him? Uh, Aljo's pretty fleet of foot. I, I like Aljo, but the, the price I'm not crazy about, but the plus 210 on, on him by decision I, I do like. So I did play that in a round robin. I'll, I'll mention the other parts later. Uh, I've got Aljo. I'll definitely give Aljamain credit for how he handled his last loss. You know, he took the loss like a man. You know, he didn't make any excuses and he owned up to it. So now we'll see what kind of improvements he's made because with Rafael, you better come on point, man. You better be sharp. I mean, this is a guy that has wins over TJ Dillashaw, Johnny Eduardo, Pedro Munoz. You know, we can go on. He's got he's got a serious resume. Rafael's nothing to be messed around with. So Sterling's got to be on his game here. And uh, we'll see, man. I mean, on the feet, obviously, Sterling has that, you know, that kicking game. And, and I mean, I don't even really want to, want to like, you know, say he's got this kicking game because, I mean, when I think of a kicking game, I think of a guy like Edson Barbosa or a guy like Jose Aldo. I, with Sterling, it's more like, you know, he keeps you on the outside with flashy kicks to set up his grappling. It's not really because he wants to actually, like, take you out with a body shot or accumulate the leg kicks. So, you know, it's more of to mask the takedown type thing, at least in my opinion. Whereas Rafael... I mean, you know, some people call him a, you know, Brazilian Muay Thai guy. I think he's got kind of a karate style on the feet, and he's a he's a great counter striker. So, if Aljo is trying to throw some hands, he might get countered here, man. But I'm very curious to see how the grappling exchanges go down. That could be the determining factor of this fight. Now, next up, oh, you want to say something? Yeah, I was I was gonna say I, I would I think from watching his fights that Sterling is is super strong. That seems to be you know. Super athletic. Hate to get stereotypical with it, but 
it's it's there. You know what I mean? And if a Sun Sao is not coming in 100%, uh, you know, he's got a fight on his hands. It's just, you know, this is a guess, but Sterling really strikes me as a guy who does not, who, who lost and was like, fuck that, I am not losing again. You know what I'm saying? Not like a guy who's, who falls off after that, but uh, we will see in a couple of days. Indeed. And we got... Eric Spicely is minus 115, and Alessio DiCirico is minus 105. Now, I actually thought that Eric Spicely was going to win the entire season of tough that he was on. But, man, he made it to the semifinals, and Andrew Sanchez destroyed him in 48 seconds. And then when Spicely made his UFC debut, I mean, we all know about his ground game. If you watched his fight on the regional scene against Tex Johnson... You know, he uh, he grinded him out for three straight rounds. That's a big deal. One does not simply full mount a guy like Tex Johnson. I mean, Tex, every time I talk about him on the show, he's the guy that set the record for the fastest submission in Bellator history when he tapped out Brendan Ward in like 14 seconds with the arm bar. And uh, Eric Spicely destroyed this guy on the ground. That's a big statement in my eyes. That's why I thought he was going to win tough, man. And then... Uh, when he went in there against Alvy, and Alvy really taught him a lesson and choked him out, I was like, well, maybe uh, maybe Spicely's just not UFC caliber. And then he goes in there as a huge underdog. We all got Tiago Maheta. And, man, the way he took him down, the way he took his back, it was beautiful. So now the question is, can he do that to a guy like Alessio DiCirico? And I've been impressed with DiCirico since he made his UFC debut. I mean, his, his regional scene fights are good, too, but... In his, in his UFC debut especially, I mean, that was a very close fight. I think that he could have won it. But, man, he's got the he's got the complete package. I mean, on the feet, he'll stay in the pocket, but it's it's technical. You know, he's not like Bobby Nash where, you know, he'll throw one punch at a time and then stay in the same spot and let you counter him. With Alessio DiCirico, I mean, the guy's thinking. He's moving his head. He's mixing in, uh, you know, the punches to the kicks to the takedowns. He's got the entire MMA game. The thing with Eric Spicely is he's a specialist, you know? He's a jiu-jitsu specialist. The dude's stand-up is not that good, and, you know, if you can get past uh, all his jiu-jitsu, you can break the guy. We've seen him break before. We've seen, we've seen him get stopped before, and it wasn't just, you know, getting caught. We've seen him, you know, we've seen him take a knee, if you know what I mean, Sean, and uh, it's about, is DiCirico, you know, is he going to be able to keep this fight where he wants it, and that's on the feet, and you know what? If Eric Spicely starts to get a little tired. I wouldn't be surprised if DiCirico mixed in a takedown or two. But the thing is, that's a very dangerous area because if you go back and you watch the Boyan fight, so he takes down Boyan, then Boyan, Boyan Kimura sweeps him. So there's a trade-off here, man. And, you know, we got to see about that opportunity cost. You know what I mean? Is he going to take those high-risk moves or not? Because if he goes for a takedown, there is a chance he could get swept. But he has been putting in work at ATT. So he's working with a guy like Jocko. He's a young dude. He's getting better. And I'll tell you what, man, these Italian prospects are no joke. I mean, the other guy, Marvin Vittori, he's really damn good, too. So, I, I you know, I think the ceiling is high for Alessio DiCirico. It's just about is he going to get tapped out or not? Because I'll, I'll tell you this, Eric Spicely sure as hell ain't going to knock him out. You know what I mean, Sean? So I really only see one yeah. method of victory for Eric Spicely. And with uh, DiCirico, I can see an early knockout. I can see a decision. Most likely not a submission, but I thought a submission was impossible for Alvi against Spicely. So I'm not going to rule it out, but I'm going to go with uh, Alessio DiCirico via first-round TKO. And if it hits plus money, I'll take a shot as well, Sean. You know, this is a tough one. Me and you talk about this. We're looking we're, we're looking at um, DiCirico as a bet. Uh, I was eyeballing plus 150. I, it wasn't close. So I stayed away. Uh, the number as it is is not enough for me to gamble on 
on Euro grappling versus Spicely, even though I think Spicely is, is kind of crap. Spicely, when somebody is capable of the lows that we saw against Alvi, I don't kind of believe anything that they do from then. You know what I'm saying? That guy didn't look like he should be in anywhere near the UFC. That was crazy. That was not, he's not ready. Um, maybe never will be ready. But when a guy, and honestly, was Santos, did Santos get ended by Musasi? Is that possible? You know what I'm saying? It's not like, that's uh, possible. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not out of the question. Santos has had his own bumpy road up to this point you know, has some momentum, gets up to somebody like Musasi where he, he has a chance to land shots and, and really do something, at least put it in a competitive fight, and just get steamrolled like he's nothing. You know what I'm saying? Maybe that wreaks havoc on you. Then you come in a minus 700 or something ridiculous. You don't take the guy seriously, and then you get stomped out again. Maybe. Maybe that was the case. Maybe Spicer doesn't look great. But what a win like that can do for Spicely is go, Ooh, Oh, I can grapple and choke these fuckers out. If I just go for it and I get them and I'm in a right position, I can get a submission. So is he thinking that now? Does he have that confidence now? Does he take what he specializes in and force it on people, which will make him dangerous? You know what I'm saying? Which will make him dangerous. If that gets shut down, he's, he's dead in the water. But if he bum rushes Dietrich and tries to get a takedown, are you confident Dietrico can stop it? No. If he takes Dietrico's back, do you think is going to be safe? No. So without a, a bigger plus number, as bad as I want to fade Spicely, I can't do it. Uh, I think Spicely's got a pretty decent chance to win this fight early, grab him while he's dry, and get a submission. I hope that doesn't happen, but, uh, you know, no bet here. Regarding the Tiago Santos situation, you know, it's almost like the circle of life, man, because you recall when Tiago Santos fought Hani Marcus, and Hani Marcus was a minus 800 favorite, and Tiago Santos goes in there and kicks him in yeah. the body and kicks folds him up. Off. Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. Tiago Santos is the minus 800 favorite, and he's the one that gets finished in the first round. So it's amazing how it comes full circle. In this spot, man. It's, it's, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, please. Well, I usually. I'm saying, like. Usually when you think it, the reason why I'm hesitant to pin that on him is because when you say a guy gets ended by another guy, it's usually like a, a soul-stealing type beatdown. And I don't think the Musasi fight was that. But it could have completely let Tiago Santos understand where he is in the division and where he will always be. You know what I'm saying? Like, severely outclassed badly, you know? Yeah, and I want to quickly address... Alessio DiCirico's fight with Gareth McClellan because, you know, on paper, yeah, he did go to a split with Gareth McClellan, but look, styles make fights. Even, even though, you know, people like to make fun of Gareth, I mean, the dude's strong as fuck. He's a former rugby player. But more importantly, I feel like something was off with DiCirico, man, because it looked to me like he was gassed before the fight even started, and he was literally fighting with his heart out there because if you compare that second fight to his UFC debut, I mean, he was fresh all three rounds in that UFC debut. Something was up in that sophomore appearance, and he still got it done. So to me, I'm expecting a better version of him, one that you know we haven't seen before, especially considering the fact that, like I mentioned, he is training at ATT. He's got to do like Jocko with him. 
I think there's a chance you could make it look easy here, but you know, the thing that you mentioned where if Spicely does take his back, if Spicely does get on top, I mean, you have to kind of accept that we're fucked and we're not getting the plus 150 we want, so we don't need to push it. But I mean, you wouldn't be surprised if Dicharico finished him in the first either, would you? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if anybody finished Spicely in the first round. He he looked you know, ready to quit before it even happened versus Alvy. And and Alvy really showed us nothing, right? You know what I'm saying? That wasn't super Alvy. That was just regular old Alvy. There's nothing about that that was special. It's just, you know, two did you know, that's where you, that's where you get a, a minus seven hundred against against Santos, you know? Definitely. You look that bad. Yeah. And speaking of Alvy, he's minus one fifty. He's taking on Nate the Great Marcord, who's plus one thirty. Now, the last time we saw San Alvi fight, it was also in altitude. It was in the notorious Mexican elevation. And, man, he went all three rounds. He took a little bit of a whooping in that first round. He persevered. He won the second and third. I got to tell you what, man. Ever since his fight with Elias Theodora, he's been coming out there with a fire lit, lit under his ass because, I mean, that fight against Theodora was so bad. And I, I feel like he even knows that. And he felt bad about that. Now he's just been putting dudes away again. And we know that. He's a southpaw with a big right hand. I mean, that right hook will end anyone's night. But, you know, he is a bit flat-footed at times. But I think he's gotten better about it. I mean, he is a slow starter. So, you know, you you can't cash an under one and a half against Kevin Casey because he is a slow starter. But that doesn't mean he's not going to win the fight. And he's got a very good opportunity to win here against Nate Marquardt. I mean, obviously, with Nate, the thing with Nate is, you know, he's chinny as fuck, but... When he lets his combinations go, he does shit out of a video game. I mean, you recall that fight with Wilson Govea. That's his, you know, career highlight reel. I mean, that shit was fucking Tekken 4, man. But uh, the thing with Nate, like I said, man, he's chinny, and that right hook of Alvi is going to be a huge weapon in this fight. Could could Marcor catch him? Sure. I wouldn't be surprised, but, I mean, I got to go with Alvi here. And Alvi's been, uh, you know, he's been pulling out all the tricks. You know, I, I saw him go... To a decision in the Mexican altitude, I saw him choke out a good grappler in Spicely, and I'm seeing him knock dudes out all the time. So, you know, he's starting to develop that uh, that full, you know, the full package. Even though he's always going to be Sam Alvey, he's always going to do what he does. You know, plot around with that southpaw stance, waiting for the big right hand counter. But I'm telling you what, man, he's getting some wins, and I, I think that winning streak will continue here in Denver. Yeah, you know what? I, I hate to say it, but probably the most likely thing is is that he does eventually walk him down and catch him. If I, I bet on Nate, uh, Nate Marquardt here. He's in the round robin uh, that I mentioned earlier. The, thing, the reason why I like him is that even though he hasn't had a ton of success at home, I, I like him at, at home. He's got to be uh, you know, fully, mature, fully matured at this point. He seems to have his head screwed on. He seems to understand what his problems are, what his downsides are. Um, he, there was a point where you're like, Ooh, Nate is gun shy. He's never coming back. But honestly, it, that wasn't the case, right? He's not gun shy. He's okay. Um, chinny as fuck. Definitely at the end of his career, one shot from Alvy probably will end this, uh, if he catches him, but you're going to need to put some pressure on him. You're, you're going to need to come forward. You're going to need to not let Nate feel comfortable and not let him set up. And Alvy is just the kind of guy who won't do that. He'll walk forward and do nothing. Maybe he'll walk forward. And, and every time he gets, he needs to flat. He does it every single fucking time. He needs to flatten out his feet to deliver power. 
he he always goes flat when he delivers his power. If he comes forward, sets his feet, gets flat, gets ready to throw, gets leg kicked, and Nate's gone, and then that happens for three minutes out of every round, Nate's got the fight. You know what I mean? Like, if every time Alvy's ready to punch, Nate forces him to reset, he's just going to be in the driver's seat for the whole time. Um, if you don't pressure Nate and he lets he, he puts combos off on you, you probably got some problems. He's, dude still has power. He He's slower, but he's not slow. Um, he's got a deep ve- veteran's bag of tricks. Uh, he can do all kinds of fun things to you. Uh, he has the possibility of winning this fight. It's just he needs to avoid the bomb. Will he avoid the bomb? I don't know. You know, he he avoided Tamden McCrory's bombs and landed his own. Uh, Alvey's considerably harder to get out of there, of course, but we've seen he can be taken out. But uh, my bet at that price is that Nate Marquardt outpoints him over the course of three rounds. Um, but I will not be blown away if Alvy comes in and lands a bomb on him and gets him out of there. That's that's kind of what happens. But I don't know. I feel like Nate Nate's going to pull this out at home and maybe talk about retirement. I wouldn't be surprised if Nate caught him, but I would be surprised to see Nate get a decision. I mean, when's the last time we saw Nate, you know, stay disciplined and focused enough in a fight, you know, to win a three round decision? It's been a while, hasn't it, man? I mean, off the top of my head, I can't remember. I could be wrong. But I don't think this dude wins no, decisions. The, he only finishes people. The last, uh, the last time he went to decision was against Brad Tavares, and he lost that. But I, you know, he knows he has to. He knows he has to stay outside and and not get hit. You know what I'm saying? That's that's what this leads to. And Alvy is there to be hit. You know what I'm saying? Like possibly a bad thing for Nate is that Nate lands a, a three punch combo on him squarely and then decides he, he can knock Alvy out, gets into a firefight and gets knocked out himself. That's completely possible. But if he does stay disciplined and sticks to the leg kicks, I think he's going to be saying, wow, this guy's way low, man. I can beat this guy. And then just sticks to the game plan and is in front from round one all the way to round three. It wouldn't surprise me because, I mean, he is the more technical guy, but I really think he does have to finish this fight to win it because if he does what you're saying he's going to do, I think at some point in the fight he's going to lose his shit and, you know, that's when Sam Alvey is going to tee off. But the reason that, you know, I'm not confident enough to bet Sam Alvey, I mean, do I have to go back to the Tom Watson fight? I mean, you know, that's when he made his UFC debut and I was so confident and, you know what I'm saying? He lets the, the first two rounds go by, and then he turns it up in the third and doesn't finish and costs us the decision. And then, the, obviously, the Theodora fight. But when Sam Alvey does decide to let it go, he floors dudes. And we know Nate is really chinny. So I, I just don't believe that Nate is going to be able to be disciplined and focused for three straight rounds without losing his shit. Like I said, I think he has to finish the fight. But, I mean, good luck to you, man, because I, I don't got any money invested here. Fair enough. Totally possible. I, I mean... You think he's going to be disciplined all three in altitude? We saw what happened last time in altitude, but then again, Kelvin's a fucking pressure I, guy, and he's a totally different I animal. I do, yeah. I do. I think him fighting this at his own pace, which Sam Alvey will let him do, that's what we're hoping for. Because if he doesn't, then I'm fucked. You know what I'm saying? If he comes out and enforces it for three rounds, he's not making it out. You know what I'm saying? But I don't think he will. And I think Nate's saying, I'm not getting knocked out at home. I can beat this guy. I can stay outside. I can land kicks. I can land leg kicks. I can land one twos and I can get out and I can win. 
and that's what he wants to do at home at this point in his career. That's what I'm hoping for. But everything that you said is completely legit. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, if you're going to pick the most likely outcome is, yeah, over the course of three rounds, Alvy probably does land the hook. He probably does get him. You know what I'm saying? But I don't know. That, it, technically, what what guy is better than what guy? Nate, Nate is better, even at this point. He's got too many tools. I, I'll go with Nate. Yeah, I don't disagree. Jason Knight's minus 160 and Alex Bruce Leroy Caceres is plus 140. For me, it's actually a tough one to call, man, because even though on paper Jason Knight should win this fight, I mean, I mean, first you look at his record, but then you watch him, you watch him actually fight, and the pressure this guy puts on his opponents, dude. I mean, on the feet, you know, a lot of people thought he was just a rubber guard guy until his last two fights. He's coming out there and dropping dudes and he stays in your face for all three rounds. Even when he gets gassed out, he's still in your face and he's got offensive takedowns. He's got the entire mixed martial arts package. He's not just a rubber guard guy. I know he, he tapped out Musa Kamenaev, who's a total stud, you know, with a... Well, did he get him with a fucking Uma or a Gogo? I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but he got him, he got him with some shit from the rubber guard. But bottom line is, you know, when I saw that, I was like, okay, yeah, this guy's a major prospect. So then I bet him against um, Kawajiri and lost, right? And then I bet him in the next two fights against Ehlers and um, and Dan Hooker, and he came through. In this spot, I'm not sure, man. I mean, he does have the tools to beat Caceres. Caceres is a bit of a 50-50 fighter. But you know what, man? It looks to me like Caceres has really turned his career around. Like, those last few fights, ever since he went back up to 145, he's been uh, he's been showing out, man. I mean, he had a nice five-round war in altitude with Yair Rodriguez. Nicely done there. Obviously, he, he ended the career of Cole Miller. I mean, he destroyed Cole Miller in a way where, I mean, <laughs> we were playing Cole Miller interview clips in his next fight. That's how bad it was, Sean. Um... So, I mean, Bruce Leroy is totally capable, man. He's a creative dude in there. I just feel like the pressure of Jason Knight will be too much. But, I, you know, I, I was looking at Jason Knight, you know, to try to get some dog money like I have the last couple fights. Here, you know, it's that minus 160. I'm all good, man. I'm all good sitting back and relaxing. I know he's got a shot, obviously, because he's a very good fighter. And so, But so is Caceres, man. So I, I got to sit this one out, Sean. I don't think Caceres is crap. I think he's decent. I think this is a horrible fucking matchup for him. This is what I think about this fight. I think, you know, look at Caceres' history, man. You know, the fight with Yair, he did go five rounds, and he didn't look terrible in five rounds. The difference, the huge difference in between that fight and this fight is basically none of that fight was at mid-range, right? Mid-range where you're always defending or always punching. When you're always tight, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's different. It's a more, that's like a more trying type of fight. When you're fighting your ear and he's all the way out, you got to watch out for the kicks. But when he's not kicking, you can sleep. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, it's fine when he's out there. It's just at long range, you're waiting for the fight to happen. At mid-range, where Jason Knight's going to be in your fucking face, uh, pushing you back. It's fight, 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 fight. I don't trust Caceres to mentally hold up for three rounds of fight, 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 fight at altitude. I don't trust Caceres' cardio to hold up three rounds altitude of fight, 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 fight. I, I don't, I don't like him in this situation because when it comes down to it and you need Caceres to win, even though he shows flashes of being really good, when you need him to hit that, that third gear, it's not there. Jason Knight seems to be 
only third gear. You know what I'm saying? He's going to come straight ahead. He's going to try to box. He's going to talk shit. He's going he's gonna to want to engage you all the time. I don't think that Caceres can deal with engaging all the time. As far as how the actual fight happens when they're clashing, Knight will take some to give some. I don't think Caceres hits hard enough with anything to really make Knight shy away in those kinds of exchanges. I think uh, Caceres is hittable himself uh, on the ground, even though Knight hasn't been uh, all about it in the UFC so far. We know those skills are actually there. We know that Caceres is for sure subbable. Uh, if they roll around on the ground, I think the advantage goes to Knight. I think if it's a chest-to-chest brawl, I think the advantage goes to Knight. Uh, the way that Caceres wins this fight is if uh, Knight gives Caceres a chance to fight that kind of fight and they're standing way outside tra- trading fancy stuff. I surely don't see Knight doing that. He hasn't shown any any reason for me to think that he's going to do anything besides come forward with his, you know, with just throwing with his face out there. I think this is a brawl, and I don't think Caceres can hang with Knight in a brawl. Uh, not only just in altitude, but anywhere. So uh, I like Knight at this price. I've got him in a parlay with something else later in the card. Um, yeah, but Caceres isn't bad. He surely has a chance to win this fight. But when it when it comes down to it and this fight is close, Knight's going to take over. Uh, this is also your fight of the night, and when that prop comes out, I'll be betting it. That's a great point about not giving Caceres any breaks, you know, not letting him rest at all. You know, he definitely does do better when he gets to pick his spots, and Jason Knight's, Jason Knight's totally the guy to not let you do that. So, very good point. And in the heavyweight division, man, Francis Ngannou is minus 425, and Andre Arlovsky is plus 340. So, I mean, I mean, is Francis Ngannou going to take that first UFC loss here, or is he going to run through Arlovsky? I mean, it's a tough one for me to call, man, because, look, we were looking at Anthony Hamilton last time to potentially beat Francis Ngannou. I mean, I couldn't pull the trigger, but we were thinking about it, you know, maybe. Because, you know, he was coming off, like, that 13-second knockout where he killed the guy, like, literally. So we, we thought, you know, maybe maybe he can give Ngannou a run, you know, and then Ngannou taps him out in, like, 40 seconds. So this guy, he keeps impressing, man, and he's, uh, I mean, he's beating good guys. I mean, Curtis Blades, that's a that's a good prospect. The other guy, Luis Henrique, he's been winning fights in the UFC. So the dudes he's beat, minus that Boyan guy, have been legit. So now he's he gets a, his first name in Andre Arlovsky. And, I mean, we know Andre's been knocked out nine to ten times, right? So it can happen again. But Andre, I mean, dude's got a hell of a right hand. And we can talk about how Andre trains in altitude I just don't want to talk about that because, I mean, to me, he gasses out in every fight anyways if it goes past the first. So it's like, what difference does it make? Here, he'll probably gas out faster. With Nganu, I mean, he is a, a, a freak athlete. I mean, obviously, he's a hard worker, too. I mean, and we, we see him uh, training with uh, some kind of altitude mask. We'll see if that simulates Denver at all. You know what I mean? Is, uh, is Arlovsky about to go down with the first punch here or... Is he about to show uh, Ngannou that there's levels to this shit? Uh, yeah, there's levels to this shit. And this is the untested French prospect that I was speaking of earlier. Anytime, uh, you know, who's the other untested French prospect that, that anybody was okay with? Uh, the lighter guy, what's his name? Do you know what I'm talking about? Not Mikel Labou, right? 
No, 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 no. Black guy. Pretty uh, good. Starts with an L, his last name, I think. I don't know, anyway, but we just in, signed, in we just signed a, another French prospect, Duke Noy, and everyone's saying that he should fight Thomas Almeida, so we, keep a lookout, Sean. Yeah. You know how that French shit goes. And you know how, <laughs> Daniel, you know, me and you especially talked about Anganu from the beginning. You know I've been all in on this guy. I'm going to go ahead and spill the beans. The reason why I was up at the front of the bandwagon and then ran at top speed and jumped off the bandwagon and will now fade him until he uh, falls over unconscious is in that Curtis Blades fight in the beginning of the first round. He hits with he gets hit with a jab from Curtis Blades. His legs totally go stiff, and he wobbles. And if there would have been another punch behind that jab, he would have been sleeping, and all the talk about this guy would be over. Uh, not that I want him to want that to happen. I like him. He's scary looking. He hits hard. He's technical. He shows a lot of skills. Fuck, I hope he's champion. You know what I'm saying? It's not like I dislike the guy. I just don't want to see you stiffened up by a jab, by a by a nobody, in, in your second or third fight. I don't I don't want that. Uh, but that's what I saw, and that happened. You can go back and look at it yourself. It's it's right in the beginning of the right in the beginning of the round. Um, since I've seen that. I'm waiting for him to get knocked out. Uh, we really don't know anything about about him besides that he's he's scary looking and that that adds to his number. It, it sure as shit adds to his number. He's been getting some impressive stoppages over you know not so great. Uh, this fight, because of what I think about Ngannou's chin, uh, however that might be a guess at this point, I think whoever lands first wins. Uh, we don't even need to talk about Arlovsky. We've seen him forever. We know exactly what he does, and we know exactly what happens when he gets hit with a clean punch. He's going to sleep. If Anganu walks across the cage, hits him with the first shot he throws, and knocks him cold, I will not be surprised. That could totally happen. But how many situations have we seen Arlovsky go into where it's basically the first one to, to land? There's bunches of them. There's bunches of, the, of that exact situation. And you know what that comes down to first to first to land isn't about your chin so much. It's about your boxing. Even at this point, is there a ton of guys you outbox or Orlovsky? You know what I'm saying? Like he's, he's gone far gone in, in several categories. He sure as shit ain't far gone in the boxing category. You know, he's, if, he's far if gone what in I the think about category, and, though. way gone. But this is whoever lands first. So when I say whoever lands first, I'm not concerned about your chin because I think both guys could basically have the same damn chin. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter what your chin is if, if when one guy lands the shot, you're over with. The problem is I'm guessing about Ngannou's chin on, on a tiny bit of evidence that we haven't seen anything of since then because he's been 100% stomping his opponent the whole fight. So we don't know. But when these guys match up and Anganu throws a loop and Arlovsky throws super straight and it gets there first, then you see the whole idea of every all of this talk about Anganu get erased right there, one punch. There's not a lot of guys who throw straighter and harder in this division. You know what I'm saying? Like with better timing, he's, he's not afraid to go forward and throw. These guys are going to meet in the middle and whoever lands first gets the win. I think that Arlovsky lands first, and I think that'll be enough. So this is a long shot, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to continue doing it every time. It's, I'm getting 
plus 444 for somebody to knock this guy out. I think this guy is getting knocked out soon. This is another good example of, of a great chance for him to get knocked out, and I am getting plus 444. So that's also in the round robin that, I, that I'll uh, complete later. Yeah, that number's good. I mean, as far as the Curtis Blade fight, I feel like he overcame that. You know, he he didn't quit. He didn't look for the door like other people would have. He came he got, back and he won the fight. And Curtis Blades is a 265-pound athletic fucking specimen. And he, he ate it, and he came back and won. Right. He ate, a, he ate a jab from a guy with not a lot of striking. He might be huge, but he ain't punching like Andre Olofsky. He's not punching as good, as fast, or as hard as Andre Olofsky. And as far as him shaking it off and winning the fight... He didn't get rocked and go reeling around the ring, and Curtis Blades noticed it and, and chased him, and he, and he weathered the storm. This happened. It was a second, a second and a half long. Uh, Curtis Blades didn't see it, totally left him off the hook, and, and acted like it didn't happen for the rest of the fight. You know what I'm saying? It, this is a little fucking secret thing. I'm telling you it's real. Go look at it. Donald Cowboy Cerrone's minus 160, and Jorge Gamebred Masvidal is plus 140. Holy shit, man. So, dude, I mean, historically, you're always right on Neil Magny fights, and you're always wrong on Donald Cowboy Cerrone fights. So what, tell me what you think. Bro. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, see, I've got this rule that uh, I don't bet on Cowboy fights. What I seem to do with that rule is just continuously just break it and bet on them anyway, and I did it again. Uh, and I, I've got no technical shit to say about this fight at all i've got nothing to say about this fight the truth about this is i love masvidal and i've been waiting for cowboy to do his no show for so long but he just keeps on showing up and showing up and showing up and i do i think that masvidal actually has the tools to win yeah but in reality what i actually think is going to happen is that cowboy is going to out volume it and 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 win a decision at home, a tight one, and we're going to call it controversial, and a lot of people are going to think that Masvidal wins. <laughs> but that's you know what I'm saying like I I if you're on Masvidal, so am I, and I'm probably mushing you. But perhaps because I actually think Cowboy is going to win, the mush will go in reverse, and Masvidal will win. Um, the things that we uh, all bullshit aside, the thing that we have going for us is Cowboy at home. I don't think that cowboy at home is good i think it's very bad i think he parties extra i think he gets hit up for tickets a lot i think he's around all his friends more i think people want to hang out with him and if they have a beer in their hand he's really probably interested in hanging out as well i think he's doing a lot of hanging out i think when masvidal or whoever says hey cowboy you ain't shit i'm gonna fucking destroy you and uh it's gonna be easy You've got no shot, which Masvidal is doing in a pretty fucking believable way. Like, I actually think Masvidal believes that as well. That's the kind of thing that gets in Cowboy's head. Uh, the no-show performance from Cowboy, uh, you know, this might be a fucking myth at this point, but that eventually is coming back, I think, even though that keeps on proving me wrong over and over and over and over. Uh, you can have turnaround after turnaround, and that seems to work for Cowboy, and he could not care about his fight and just jump in there and fight and be Cowboy and be all cool and shit. But last time out, he kind of took an ass whooping. 
And, and age is just age. You're getting up there, you took an ass whoop, and you're still turning around like you just fought Cote and, and won easily, but you didn't. You fought Matt Brown, and, and it was a bloodbath, and you did win, but this is an awful quick turnaround to come back from that. Um, all those things aside, when you're, back in a, when you're backing Cowboy up, you might be winning. When you're coming at him straightforward, pressure boxing, you might be winning. When you're not giving him space to set up body kicks, you might be winning. Uh, his new shit where he snatches a reactive takedown when you're expecting kickboxing, that won't work on Masvidal. Uh, you land power on Masvidal, he's going to laugh at you. You land enough power to knock Masvidal down, he's going to pop up like it didn't happen and laugh at you. Uh, you can't dissuade this guy. How you beat Masvidal is keep him in a nice, calm fight where he thinks that he's being slick and that he's winning the rounds and you're actually winning the rounds. That's the exact fucking thing that I think is going to happen. He's going to, this is going to be a competitive fight and Masvidal is going to be thinking I'm getting in Cowboy's ass. This is easy. It's no problem. And these Denver judges are going to be rooting for Cowboy and it's going to slide that way. And it's going to be a 29, 28 for Cowboy. <laughs> Man. I Thinking mean, that, do, yeah. Do I bet on Do I bet on Cowboy? No, no, sure don't bet on Masvidal anyway. Just because I like him, yep. Just because I like him. Like Jorge Masvidal said, man, he gets robbed more than a Seven Eleven, and uh, you know I always say that you don't fade Cowboy against non top five guys, and this is a non top five guy, but I feel like it's a great matchup to fade Cowboy because, as you mentioned. Jorge's going to cut off that ring, and, you know, in particular, he's going to mix it up to the body with that left hook, with that switch kick to the body, and those are going to be huge weapons. We know that Cowboy is a little bit suspect, uh, you know, to the midsection, and Jorge's the kind of guy that if he smells blood in a spot like that, he's going to go for the kill, and I completely agree with you when you talk about that quick turnaround, man, because, I mean, you recall when Cowboy has historically taken losses, it's always been after, you know... After he's been getting burnt out, I mean, you remember the Diaz fight? That was like his fifth uh, fight in that one calendar year, you know. And this is a similar situation, even though this is uh, 2017. I mean, he fought what three weeks ago, and then prior to that, he fought you know recently as well. So he's taken fights all the time. I mean, his whole welterweight career happened last year. You you, you feel me, Sean? And now uh, yeah, it's true. You know, now he's taking that quick turnaround at home. We know how it is with certain guys at home. And Cowboy doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would do as well at home, at least in my opinion. And I feel like with Jorge, this time he's going to rise to the occasion. This is like his title fight, man. This is the most important fight of his career. It's never mattered like it matters right now. And I think he's going to get it done. He's going to find a way to win. And, you know, I'll go as far as saying that he can win the decision in Colorado, you know, as controversial as that sounds. But... I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes Cowboy, man. I mean, we've seen, you know, when, when Jorge Masvidal loses fights, he loses controversial split decisions. When Cowboy Cerrone loses fights, you know, the few times that he does lose, he gets absolutely embarrassed. And he's due for another one of those performances. I mean, we know the guy doesn't give a shit about being the champion. We know, like, anytime you ask him about being the champion, he's, you know, that's the last thing on his mind. And... But he's so damn good and skilled that he's gotten he's gotten away with it to this point, and he's a perennial top three guy, you know, in any weight class he's in. I know in in welterweight he's probably top ten, but you, you know what I'm saying. Skill wise, he's he's a top three guy in any weight class he's in. But he's never able to crack that number two or that number one or that championship spot. 
that's going to be the case here as well, except that Masvidal is going to take his spot when he gets the victory. So, you know, everyone's on Masvidal. That's always worrisome, but I feel like everyone's right in this spot, man. So we're going to find out uh, on Saturday night, you know what I mean? If, if we're wrong, we're wrong. But uh, the dudes that give Cowboy problems are the pressure guys and the super technical guys. That's exactly what Jorge Masvidal is. Jorge Masvidal, you know, he's not going to be buddy-buddy with him. And, you know, Matt Brown was doing so good about not being friends with Cowboy the whole fight week, you know, and it was kind of spooking him out a little bit. And, you know, after uh, the bloodbath that you mentioned, you know, then uh, then Matt decides to give him a hug before the third round, and then Cowboy knocks him out 30 seconds later. I don't think that was a coincidence, man. I don't think it was a matter of Matt leaving his head hanging out, you know, too long to the side or whatever. I feel like... You know, he lost his concentration when, when he decided to be buddy-buddy with Cowboy. And I don't feel like Jorge Masvidal is going to do that. Now, the biggest issue with Jorge whenever we bet on him is that he's a habitual third-round coaster. I mean, the dude can't help but coast in that third round, you know? And, you know, even when uh, I was at his fight against Ross Pearson, and, you know, me and the MMA genius were seeing him, and he gets this 10-8 round in the second where he drops Ross, almost finishes him, and, you know... Ross, uh, you know, between rounds, uh, Ross, you know, he puts his hands up as if the fight's over and he gives Jorge a hug. This is this is before the third round, Sean. That's how fucked up Ross Pearson got in that fight, right? And then Jorge still takes the third round off. But then he wins the third yeah. round against a guy like Lorenz Larkin. So it's it's hit or miss, but I've seen the potential. I know he's capable. And like I said, I think this is his title shot. This is his time to shine. This is the biggest spot of his career I think he's going to make it count here, man. And I, I took a two-unit yeah. shot at plus 150. It's currently plus 140, which is fine as well. I know that Jorge is going to fight for my money, bottom line. And I, I, I feel like in this spot, I know he's a habitual third-round coaster, but I'm hoping and I'm praying that you know he's got it under control at this time. We either take him out or we don't take our foot off the gas. I mean, he's the kind of guy that after he lost the, the Lorenz fight – he sat down with the judges to go over, you know, the scoring criteria. So whether that makes a difference or not, you know, after over a decade of fighting, we know how he fights. You know, he's fought the same way his entire career. He's just evolved in every area. But he's still the same, you know, fighter at the core. And I think that fighter is good enough to beat Donald Cowboy Cerrone. So for that reason, I have the two-unit shot on Gamebred. I I agree with you, man. I, I hope that happens. And, you know... <sighs> If this looks like the Larkin fight, we're fucked. But you know what? Another point that I didn't bring up, who doesn't beat the piss out of Patrick Cote, land shots on Patrick Cote? Who, who can't miss Rick Story? Rick Story is all about getting punched in the face. Who doesn't hit Matt Brown a thousand times during a fight? You know what I'm saying? Like, but who lands Tekken combos on Jorge Masvidal? Nobody. Ever. You know what I mean? Nobody ever that I've seen him get clipped hard twice, basically, uh, in his, in his modern career, uh, a crazy kick from rusty cables and, uh, the Kiesa punch that came from nowhere. That was it. And he acted like it didn't happen both times, but you're not landing a, a three piece on Jorge Masvidal. He's not going to be there for it. Going to be hard to hit. I hope he wins, man. Yeah. I'm pulling for my for my guy. Yeah. <laughs> Homer bet. No, I mean, it's a good stylistic matchup. Now it's just about going out there and making it happen. But I feel like the Matt Brown fight with Donald Cerrone was a reminder that, you know, the same things we thought about him at lightweight are still true here. Now, the dude's an absolute winner. You got to understand that. But 
there are spots where he's going to drop the fight. And this, I feel like, is that spot. So, Matt We Brown, hope so. We thought that a bunch of times. But the thing is... Keep on thinking that. I feel like, okay, you know, the Rick Story fight, the Patrick Cote fight, you, you made a great point, man. I mean, those are super hittable guys. And... Those are the kind of fights that, you know, Cowboy, he looks like a fucking world beater in. But it's the guys like Jorge Masvidal who are too technical and they don't give a fuck what Cowboy brings to the table. I mean, look, could Jorge get dropped with a head kick? Yeah. You know, Rodrigo damn dropped him, right? Some dude on the streets dropped him. Fucking Kiesa dropped him. Okay, yeah. But he does pop back up, like you said. If he gets knocked out stiff, you know, we take the L like men, whatever, right? But if he gets Toby Amadad, right, it is what it is. But the long-term battle, I feel like Jorge Masvidal wins in this spot, you know, considering the, the surroundings, the motivation, where they are in their respective careers. You know, Jorge's been fucked, you know, one too many times, man. I feel like this is finally the time where, you know, he knows what he's got to do. He's on a roll. He's going to get that win. At least I hope so. Yeah, me too, man. I'm just so used to being wrong about cowboy fights. Well, it's it's about time. You know, you're due to be right, man. So hopefully this is the time. I, yeah. <laughs> Eventually. Just that one out of ten has to happen sooner or later, right? Yeah, this is it right here. But, dude, the main right. event of the evening, Valentina Shevchenko. She's minus 125. The comeback on Juliana Pena is plus 105. Now, I think that both of these fighters have ridiculous hearts and will to win. And, you know, I would say that they're both equally as tough. But Valentina Shevchenko is so much more technical. And there's such a disparity in the level of technique. Like, remember when you broke down the Joe Duffy versus, um, what's the name of that Canadian dude that he knocked out in 25 seconds? Yeah, yeah. You, you know, Clark. you were talking about the difference in technique and the laser beams and shit like that. You know, even though, you know, I'm not going to compare Juliana Pena to Mitch Clark, what, but what I'm trying to say here is that there's a serious technique difference between Shevchenko and Pena. Their toughness is the same because, look, who should we talk about first? I mean, with Pena, you look at her fight with Kat Zingano, the first round and a half, she was getting fucking judo throwed around, you know, and then she, she willed herself to victory in the end of the second round and won the third. But with Valentina, you know, in that fight with Amanda Nunes, it was a different kind of having to come back. You know, with, with Juliana Pena and Kazangano, you know, Juliana wasn't getting beat up. She was getting thrown around. You know, she was getting taken down and stuff like that. But she wasn't cut. She wasn't wobbled. She wasn't hurt, right? She just had to survive the early storm. And Valentina had to survive the early storm as well. But what Valentina had to survive was her getting cut, her almost getting finished, her getting 10-8. <laughs> in the second round, you know, losing a 10-8 in the second round, and then coming back in the third round and almost finishing Amanda Nunes. That, to me, is the sign of a world champion. I mean, I got to see her heart, you know, firsthand in that fight against Nunes. And then the follow-up fight against Holm, that was a pleasure to watch as well. And she was plus 305 in that spot. Isn't that crazy, man? But, yeah, I mean, she's a very technical southpaw. I mean, the right hook is on point. The leg kicks, obviously, the footwork. She's good everywhere. And, you know, the spots that we've seen her, I guess, you know, lose rounds in or when she does get taken down, we know Juliana Pena wants to take her down. But, man, I mean, Valentina, it's not like she's getting full mounted, you know, for extended periods of time. I mean, she she's able to defend the stuff, you know, on the ground like she did against Amanda Nunes. And even if you cut her up and you throw elbows at her and you hurt her, she's still going to try to hang in there and win. She's that tough. 
So in a five-round fight, I just don't think that Juliana Pena can, you know, walk in with her square stance, her chin in the air, you know, throwing those sloppy bombs. I feel like she's going to get countered too easily here. The only thing I'm worried about is that Kiesa, excuse me, that Pena has the Kiesa thing going on. You know what I'm saying? Where you can look ugly as fuck in terms of your technique, but you can will yourself to victory. Like That's th right. That's the one thing she has going for her, but I think that five rounds favors Shevchenko. And I think Shevchenko, I mean, I don't think, I know, she's a lifelong martial artist. Her technique's on another level. She's a super competitor. I mean, if you hear this chick talk, I mean, her mindset and her sister's mindset, like, her sister is like a super world champ in Muay Thai. Like, you know, she's like one of those, like, 50 and 2 type fighters. You know what I'm saying, Sean? Like, their family is that deep into yeah. the game. Like, they're all multiple world champions. So, I just don't see why she's not going to be a UFC world champion either. Like, she's got that mindset. She's got the, the technique. She's got everything, man. So, I, I think it's a bad matchup for Juliana. I mean, yeah, we got to accept the fact that Juliana is tough as fuck. She is really strong, you know, with her top position, but five-round fight, I got to take the better fighter in the spot, and the better fighter is just as tough as the other fighter. So, you know, in, in spots where I pick Pena, it's because I feel like she's tougher than her opponents. She's not tougher than Valentina, Sean. So I got 2.5 units on Valentina. I took it minus 105. It's currently minus 125. I actually missed the plus 100. It's all good. Minus 105 works for me, man, because, I mean, I... I I personally line her at minus 150 in this spot. So let's get it, man. I think she's going to get the victory here, man. She's a, she's a real winner. Uh, I can, I can do this one a little bit because we've got, we've got dueling spiritual penises on these chicks. Uh, this should be a pretty good fight. I like both these girls. Um, you know what? Everything you said about how their skills match up against each other is true. And uh, you know, I've got no bet on this fight, so I, of course I hope you win. The reason why uh, I think Pena is going to win is that there's something – this is like the rabbit versus the hare, but – excuse me, the rabbit versus – the hare versus the turtle, Jesus Christ. It, the <laughs> turtle is just just a little bit too slow, and the rabbit in this case just doesn't get distracted that easily. Like – Shevchenko is that good and she is that technical, but the pace is shit, man. Her pace is shit. She wants to do that one gear the whole time. And the thing is, that's enough. You know what I'm saying? That, that might be enough to be world champion. It just might be like that, that one pace and that one gear is really fucking good. But if somebody gets out too far ahead of you, you can't catch them. Um, the thing about Pena is, is it is kind of a Kiesa situation. It it is ugly, and it does look like like girl fighting when she's throwing punches. There's there's not a lot of technique there, but this chick just has a big ass chip on her shoulder, and she won't lose. And I don't think she ever thinks she's gonna lose. And she's aggressive, and she's tough. And and if Shevchenko is just gonna be okay with fighting this certain pace, because eventually. Juliana Pena, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. What if she's down three going into the last two and she needs a stoppage? Can she get it? She's not going to speed up and try to get it harder. She's just got that one gear. You know what I'm saying? Like, what if Pena gets out too too fast, too far, and has three rounds on top? 
already going into four and five. That's completely possible. Um, but like I said, I, I hope you win. I hope this is a good fight and it doesn't put me to sleep is the thing that I'm hoping for the most. But there's something about Pena. She's tough. She's got a chip on her shoulder. And I think that she thinks she's going to be champion. And in this division, she could easily be champion. If she becomes champion, she loses in her next fight because that's what happens. But, yeah, I'll pick Pena. But uh, I'm rooting for you, Daniel. I mean, you're totally right, man. She does have that mindset. But the reason that I'm going to take the more technical fighter here is because Valentina also has that mindset. And she's just as tough as Pena, man. So for that reason, I feel like there is... There's more avenues for Valentina to take this fight. I feel like there's only one way Pena can win this fight. Now, that one way is a super dominant way, and she's been able to do it every single time. But I'm banking that she's not going to be able to do it here. And if she does do it here, I think that we're going to be poised enough to, you know, hold on for that round, come back, and win the next round. You know, we have five rounds to work. Now, I don't think we're going to get behind by three rounds, like you were saying. I, I don't actually think that's a possibility. The only things I'm worried about are, you know, getting our back taken, getting choking, getting choked out, or getting full mounted and pounded out. Those are the two things I'm worried about. I'm not worried about losing a decision, getting knocked out on the feet. That's out of the question, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, we got to worry about the Kiesa stuff. But I think she's got it under control, man, because that uh, that what she showed me in the Nunes fight was that she's chill under the worst of situations. I mean, we know the storm that Amanda Nunes brings to the table. And like I said, Nunes drew blood. It wasn't like Nunes took it easy. I mean, Nunes was trying to get Shevchenko out of there. And Valentina tried to hang in, tried to hang in there, and then she won the third round. I mean, she she rocked her badly at the beginning of the third round, man. And then she, she took over. Had she had two more rounds to work, I mean, you could make the argument that she would have won that fight. So I kind of want to find out. Yeah. So... Win this, yep. win this fight, and you know we'll get to find out. But yeah, two point five units, Valentina Shevchenko. Best of luck. Let's see what happens. But uh, these prelims, man, we got to go all the way back to the beginning. Let's talk about uh, Jordan Johnson. He's minus two twenty five versus Luis Henrique da Silva, who's plus one eighty five. Now, real quick, man. I mean, I'm kind of curious why Jordan Johnson's minus two twenty five. I mean, maybe he'll go out there and steamroll Henrique, but. Dude, Henrique da Silva's been a tough out for everyone in the UFC, man. And he's kind of like a zombie. You know, he'll take that ass whooping up front in the first round, but then he'll stay in your face, and he usually breaks guys. I know he got tapped out in that last one, you know. But when, when you're fighting a guy named the Bear Jew, I mean, that's going to happen from time to time, right? But in all his other fights, <laughs> he's come through, man. But uh, this Jordan Johnson kid, he doesn't have the experience that, you know, Luis Henrique da Silva has. He is a finisher. But, I mean, you know how that UFC debut is in altitude so i gotta go with the more experienced guy honestly man should i play it i mean plus 185 is this line off or is there something about jordan johnson that i'm missing here i don't think you should play it i don't think i think that that frankenstein well i won't speak for you i think frankenstein fooled me i think that this guy is going to be a guy who uh can weather some kind of storm and be like Korean zombies sort of like fight out of it and eventually get you with something and keep trying. Uh, He's totally that guy, you know, and, but he didn't, he wasn't that guy last time. He wasn't that guy last time. He looked, he looked like shit from the first bell on. Uh, that wasn't good. I don't think that guy that beat him is worth the shit. I think this guy is going to be forever inconsistent. 
And uh, if you hang in with him too long, he might get you with something. You know what I'm saying? But that that grittiness was not there that last time out. And uh, Johnson looks uh, okay on the feet, has some power. Frankenstein is, is super hittable. But I think the thing, especially after that quick turnaround, I think the thing that wants to uh, make you not want to play this is is Johnson getting on top and maybe not doing a ton, uh, maybe subbing him, but definitely. Definitely staying on top until Frankenstein is tired. That's the fucking problem. Him gassing out on a short turnaround in altitude is a fucking problem. That makes that plus 185 a trap. That's what I think. Uh, no, no bet here. And you know, I would love Frankenstein to win, but uh, I think he gasses out and loses. Yeah, dude, that altitude. That's a good point as well. Uh, yeah, and I just don't have that much confidence, you know, to play him. I don't know for a fact that he's going to come out and fight for my money, you know, because last time, like you said, he totally laid an egg. But at the same time, I've heard you say in the past that you like it when, you know, when dudes lose, but then they take a fight, you know, right away because they want to prove something. Maybe that's that. Maybe that's the case for him right here, man. I, I do like that. I do like that. I don't like him doing it in Denver, though. Wish it was somewhere nice and flat like Vegas. Yeah, good point, man. Dude, Marcos Rogerio de Lima is minus one seventy, and the new <laughs> and the newcomer Jeremy Kimball's plus one fifty. Now, I mean, you know, I got the lifelong fade on Rogerio de Lima. It's just, is this the spot to fade him? I mean, I faded him in the Antigulov fight, but I mean, Jeremy Kimball. I mean, look, he could totally be the grindy guy to you know weather that storm and then you know win the second and third round. But he's also a guy that got finished in the first round by Chris Camozzi, you know, and that's no disrespect. I'm just trying to let you know the level that he's on. So, you know, it's about is he going to get knocked out in the first round or not? I mean, Marcos is taking this fight on short notice, you know, and rebounding like we just said in that last fight. You know, maybe he's embarrassed by how the last one went down. The thing is, that wasn't the first time it went down like that, Sean. We've seen him quick tap, you know, in the Krylov fight as well. And it looked like in both those right. fights, the Antigulov and the Krylov fight, like not locked in yeah exactly not locked, not locked in, in, right? in and tapped out and he's like supposed to be this black belt so yeah. that right there and isn't jeremy kimball from the lab like i might be wrong but he's totally has that style and i think he, he is from the lab he has he has a lot of barbarina going on with him you know what i'm saying like he is that kind of guy yeah dude it might be uh, worth a shot i need a i need to just wait till the weigh-ins before i do a bet like this just because i, I want to make sure this dude I'll, you know, is I want to hear what he's got to say. I want to know more. I don't know enough. You know, I I need to know more. But I'm always looking to fade Hogerio de Lima. So make no mistake about it. That's right. There there is a chance I'm going to take the shot. But right now I'm still investigating it, Sean. Well, I am betting on a Chinese guy. I am max betting a Chinese guy against an American collegiate wrestler. I am betting on an old dude made of glass versus a gorilla. And now I am betting on a fat guy with a horrible Last Samurai haircut versus a serious fucking puncher who looks to crush you in the first minute of the fight. But like you said, um, you know, one unit plus 130, definitely taking the shot. The, uh, all, the reasons why I'm taking the shot is if you look at these guys' records, uh, first of all, I think Chris Camozzi's good, although I was fucking possibly proven wrong uh, when he got to the UFC. Kimball has some serious, seriously pretty good wins on his record, uh, better wins than DeLima for sure. Um, Kimball is, is tough guy. Uh, he's 
kind of sloppy, but he's active uh, for a fat guy. Um, his ground game is not bad. His takedowns are not bad. His cardio is pretty good. Uh, you know, this is short notice in elevation. That's a problem. But can you, I mean, DeLima in altitude against a guy who can probably weather the storm? I don't, that's, that sounds like a loss. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I got to take the shot. Kimball is, is new to the UFC, but he is surely not new. Um, does DeLima bring anything new? I, not really. If he catches you, you're probably fucked. But if, if he doesn't catch you, he's fucked. So I'm going to go with he doesn't catch you. And, and the fat guy goes on to, to win and probably stop him late or at least pull off a, a 29-28 after catching a bit of a beating in the first round. So one unit plus 130, I like it. Yeah, now it's plus 150. So I might, I might have I like to do that this. even better. Yeah, I might have to take a look myself. I mean, it's definitely my pick, but... I'm not 100%. You might want to wait until weigh-ins, dude. That's yeah. not a bad idea in this case if you want a bigger number because he's going to come out with some serious love handles and that number's going to skyrocket because you're going to see, like, the Hulk standing next to the Doughboy. Who's going to want to bet on the Doughboy? Me, goddammit, plus 130, Doughboy. Let's go. So why didn't you wait? Did you just think of that scenario now? I don't fucking wait. No, <laughs> I, yeah, because I don't wait, of course, but um, which I'll explain later tonight, finally. But you, if you are going to wait, yeah, wait until after the weigh-in, dude, because he's going to be super fat on the scale. That's for sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's fat when he's in shape. He might be in semi-not great shape. He's going to be extra fat. Man, I hope he gets it done. And also on this card, we got Eric Shelton. He's minus 115, and Alexandre Pantoja is minus 105. And, I mean, they were both on that same season of the Ultimate Fighter both, uh, you know, two of the top prospects in the house. You know, Alexandre Pantoja, dude's a total veteran. He's got all the experience. And he's a world-class jiu-jitsu guy. He's a jiu-jitsu specialist. But, I mean, he can weather a storm, too, as you saw when he choked out Brandon Moreno. And you see what Brandon Moreno's been doing. With Eric Shelton, a lot of people said he was the best guy in the house. You know, he's, you know, a natural athlete. He's, you know, pretty good at all areas of the game. So now it's about can he avoid the specialty that Pantoja brings to the table, you know what I mean? Can he avoid that world-class jiu-jitsu? Can he deal with the experience, the veteran savvy? I'm going to have to say that he will, but, dude, it's not going to surprise me to see, you know, Pantoja pull it off. But I just feel like these kind of, you know, new breed type fighters, we're going to find out if Eric Shelton's one of them or not, but people have been acting like he is. And if he is, you know, what people are describing, these guys that they start MMA, you know, they don't start jiu-jitsu, they don't start Muay Thai, they start MMA, right? And they're good at everything they do. They're, they, they didn't wrestle in college, but they're good at wrestling. You know what I'm saying? Like, guys that are coming up, you're, yeah. you're going to see uh, Chaz Walton in the UFC uh, soon, and he's a perfect example of that. Um, but, yeah. So, word on the street is Eric Shelton's that guy. So, we're going to find out if he is that guy, he'll win this fight. If not, he'll, you know, get his back taken and choked out. So, you know, is he that guy, Sean? Um, you know what? I think he is that guy. Um, I think this guy is is a real fighter. He's he's got it all going on. He looks to be able to put it together. He can get himself out of some trouble. He can make surprising reversals and and uh, surprising scrambles. Uh, looks to be, you know, somebody who does most everything well. Versus, like you said, in Pantoja, uh, you know, kind of a specialist. 
a, a more explosive guy, a more kind of uh, come out and get you with this thing automatically kind of guy, you know, versus a, a well-rounded who's, guy who's going to beat you over three rounds. Um, I almost bet on Shelton here. I traded the Shelton bet in for the Kimball bet. I hope I, I, I don't regret that. I think that Kim, or excuse me, I think that Shelton is probably a good bet here. Um, I think he weathers some early storms, gets himself out of some trouble, and, and comes back and, and wins this fight, wins the last two rounds, and probably looks pretty decent doing it. He, he looks to have something going on. I know he's training in at altitude. He's training with a bunch of good people. Uh, I like that. So yeah, I think Shelton wins this fight, and that price is completely reasonable. J.C. Cottrell's minus 140, Jason Gonzalez is plus 120. You remember that episode of The Ultimate Fighter when Conor McGregor was coaching against Uriah Faber and, you know, Conor, you know, one of his fighters is is fighting and, you know, he keeps flopping to his back and Conor's freaking out. Like, you remember that? Yeah, I do. Okay, that dude that was flopping to his back beat Jason Gonzalez to get into the house. (laughs) <laughs> but anyways, uh, J.C. Cottrell, I mean, the dude's got all the experience. I mean, look at his record. He's like 17-4, and four, makes his UFC debut, goes all three rounds with uh, with Tractor Prezeris. I mean, he, he took that ass-whooping like a man, but, I mean, he still went all three, you know. A lesser man would have got finished in the first round. Jason Gonzalez would have got finished in the first round. You know, maybe I'm not giving him the respect he deserves, but, I mean... There's not much to take from the guy he lost. He lost to that dude that flopped to his back that Connor freaked out on. And then, you know, he got caught by Dover. So he's got to prove himself here. And he's taking on a really experienced guy who's coming in on his second appearance. And you know how it is with these experienced guys in their sophomore appearances. They come back better. They know what it's like to, you know, be in the UFC for the first time. And I feel like JC is going to come out here and get that victory. And I was surprised to see him at plus 125 earlier. But, uh... And now it's like minus 140, so if anyone hit that, you know, props. But, uh, yeah, man, I think the line's a little bit more accurate now. And I, I got J.C. Cottrell for the victory. Um, I, I would like to have J.C. Cottrell for the victory, uh, but there's a huge problem there. Uh, I remember I bet Dober against uh, Gonzalez, and going into it, you know, I'm a little bit nervous because Gonzalez looks to have some tools. The striking is pretty decent. Uh, he's long, you know. I'm saying, like, maybe, maybe he gets Dover. Uh, no, totally did not go that way at all. Uh, Gonzalez is not good from, from everything that we've seen so far, uh, in, including pre-UFC, you know, not great. The problem with J.C. Cottrell is that he's done something that's, that's kind of uh, unfixable until, until I see different. He, he's kind of condemned in my book. He got dummied by Prezeris. So fucking hard. The last time I saw somebody get dummied that hard was Gilbert Burns versus Rashid Magomedov, where no matter what, what no matter, it, it, Rashid Magomedov could have told Gilbert Burns, when you throw that leg kick, I am punching you in the face with this straight right hand. And Gilbert Burns would have just done it anyway. That's what happened for like two rounds straight in that fight was Magomedov is waiting for the leg kick so I can punch him in the face with the right hand. And it happened over and over and over. J.C. Cottrell against Prezeris, I don't know why after the, the fucking 23rd time you throw that hook and, you, and, and it gets ducked under and you get taken down that you throw it the 24th, but you did. And because you throw it the 24th, I can't go anywhere near you with money. 
because I don't know where your awareness and your IQ was in the middle of that fight, but it wasn't in there. It wasn't in your head. It wasn't in the cage with you. You didn't care that 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 happened to you 50 times in a row. You just your your instinct was I must hit you with this punch, and you never realized that every time you throw that punch, you got taken down. I don't know what possesses a guy to do that. I don't know what kind of failure. It, you know what I'm saying? Like what dis, disconnected? Like what happened when that happens to you? I mean, but maybe I, I'm t- not. I'm not going anywhere near you again. I mean, maybe he Go took ahead. the fight on short notice against a fucking a tractor, literally. You know what I'm saying? And and it is what it is. He that got, is he got grinded out. Because I mean, look look at a guy like Jason Knight. He, he makes his UFC debut against Kawajiri, gets grinded out for all three, and then he came back, you know, with a full camp and showed what he's got. JC Cottrell's got that same kind of record. He's got that same kind of experience, and he put on those same kind of performances on the regional scene. So I don't see why now. But we're talking. With a full camp, he can't come back we're, and you know get the victory against a guy like Gonzalez. We're talking about two separate things, okay? We're talking about can Prezeris beat a lot of people? Yeah, is Prezeris pretty good? Oh, yeah, okay, he's good as what he, he's good at what he is good at. But he didn't just beat him with multiple kinds of takedowns. He didn't push him to the cage and trip him and then stay there for two minutes and then do something else and then do something else. Literally, he only did this one thing over and over and over and over and over. That's not a failure of, of camp. That's not a mess up in short notice. That's not a, I'm not quite ready for this. This is, I have no awareness of what's going on. I am just going to do this, and then this is going to happen to me over and over and over. If Kawajiri only did one thing tonight for the whole fucking fight and won it that way, I'd be thinking the same thing. But he just Knight just lost a tough fight against a tough veteran. If Cottrell just lost a tough fight against Prezeris, I wouldn't be thinking what I'm thinking. But that wasn't the case. He just he just kept repeating the same mistake over and over again, like he didn't know it was happening. It was very strange. And there's not a lot of times where you're going to see somebody do that. There's not a lot of times where literally after the sixth time you throw the same punch and get taken down that you, without hesitation, throw the same exact thing the seventh time. It's just weird. You know what I'm saying? I can't really, I can't blame that on anything except for the one person inside the cage. That's it. So you picking Gonzalez? No. (laughs) 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 No, I'm picking Cottrell because Gonzalez sucks. And and honestly, like, maybe Gonzalez is not the kind of person who could realize that he could, he could trick Cottrell into doing one thing over and over again. Uh, no, J- Gonzalez really has nothing going on. You know what I'm saying? Like he's he doesn't have to seem to have the one exploit over and over again. But I sure as shit wouldn't wouldn't go anywhere near Cottrell with money until he shows me something that is not what I saw in the Preserves fight because that was bad. Fair enough. The fight to watch. And the fighter to watch. Sean Carey Tattoo, what is the fight to watch for UFC Denver? Fight to watch is Knight versus Caceres. They're going to talk shit. Uh, Knight is going to come forward and do some some southern boy mean stuff and and, and point at him and, and swing at him and you know say, come here, come here, over and over again. That's always fun by itself. Uh, if Caceres is looking good, he's going to be doing spinning shit. He's going to have a Bruce Lee stance. That's always fun to watch. Uh, there's probably a finish on the menu in this fight. Uh, 
both guys are going to get hit. I think it's going to be high speed because Knight will make it high speed. I think they're going to get tired. When it gets sloppy, it's going to get dirtier. It's going to be fun. That's the fight to watch. Uh, Knight's going to win it, uh, and I think that's your fight of the night. I don't see any way that shit's boring. My fight to watch is Jorge Masvidal versus Donald Cowboy Cerrone. I mean, dude, when has there been a boring cowboy fight? You know what I mean? Maybe maybe the third Benson Henderson fight, but I mean, it wasn't that bad, right? It was just, you know, compared to cowboy standards, it wasn't, you know, a back and forth fight of the night because they respected each other. And hopefully he respects Jorge Masvidal here, you know, because the bet's on the line. But regardless, man, it's such a great fight, and you have to tune in. Bottom line, Masvidal. Has there been a shitty Masvidal fight in the UFC, or a uh, shitty Cowboy Henderson fight? Henderson wasn't great. Which one? Oh, Henderson yeah. wasn't great. And I was, man, that was disappointing too, money wise. You know what I'm saying? But uh, we get it back here against Henderson. the Cowboy. I liked it. Oh fuck, yeah. I, I was saying that uh, Jorge was gonna out wrestle uh, Henderson and beat him everywhere, and no, and then, I was uh, like, Henderson's gonna squeak out, squeak out a decision. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like that one seemed obvious. I finally had to go against my guy on that one. Um, my fighter to watch is Jorge Masvidal. Uh, you know what? I, I love Jorge Masvidal. I, I, he's, he's maybe not my number one favorite. He's probably my number two favorite. I love, you know, if he was a boxer, he would be like a tempo rhythm guy. In UFC, you're not going to see that guy because there's three rounds and there's really not enough time to set up tempo and rhythm and win with it. Um, I, I love that style. Uh, I love his confidence. Uh, I love his tweets. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I really Easy like Jorge Masvidal. Yeah, he's great, man. He's great. And, and, and what a story on him. This is somebody that the UFC is not exploiting. Like, he, street fighter, the whole, what are you doing ignoring this fucking guy? What are you doing ignoring him? It's ridiculous. Uh, taking some really tough wins that would crush, or excuse me, tough losses that would crush the wills of other guys. That Iaquinta thing was tough to fucking stomach. You know what I'm saying? Did it stop Masvidal from being Masvidal? Hell no. You know what I mean? He's, he's right there. Right now, this is his biggest fight. He's right at the cusp. He's kind of uh, nearing or maybe even surpassed the position he was in when he got up to the Benson Henderson fight. This is a great opportunity for him to beat a name, look good, talk some shit after doing it and get people excited. And he's a good person to be excited about. Cause like you said, he's fun to watch. Uh, he's finally put his game together. He's just got to step on that fucking gas pedal, man. Just step on the gas pedal. That's the problem that, uh, you know, it could be a problem again, but I hope it is not. Uh, let's go mass it all. Let's look good. And, and, and get your fucking name on the map. Climb up those climb up that ladder, man. Man, it would I be really want him to win. It would be so cool to see Masvidal, you know, pull a Musasi, have that kind of career resurgence. Not that Musasi Completely ever capable. really lost it. Not that he ever yeah. lost it by any means. Just saying that, you know, he was always like a perennial top, you know, ten, top fifteen guy. But now Musasi's a top five guy. That's what I'm trying to say. That's right. And I know and they have the same is capable. Kind of- yeah, it's true, and they have the same kind of background. When you look at Musashi's record and who he's fought and when and where, it's the same as Masvidal's. You're, you're looking at him going, oh, this guy's 40? 
No, he's not 40, man. He's the, he's the same age as every other contender. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's he's young. It's early 30s. It's the same as Musasi. Like, he's young, man. He's got plenty of time. He's got time to take a step back and then come back to this position again. Uh, he's, he's putting it together, and he's putting it together at the right time. And I think he's getting somebody who, who's, you know, is Cowboy lying when he says he doesn't know who Masvidal is? <laughs> yeah. They, they train together, and apparently... You think he is? Jorge whooped his ass in the wrestling. Do you think that, I mean, I never think that Cowboy's lying when he says dumb shit like that. I think he stands around oblivious all the time. That's what it kind of straight. I think he's thinking about windsurfing or whatever the fuck he does. Like, he might not know who Masvidal is. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not, that's not a good look for you fighting Masvidal. <laughs> he's not joking around. You he know what he saying? knows like, who Masvidal he's is. There to win. The way he's acting, I agree. You know, it, this is, you know how he tends to act when he loses fights, you know, because you remember that first RDA fight, he's like, you know, he basically pulled a who the fuck is that guy, but a non-confident one, a, a more like, you know, I'm just showing up to this fight type thing. I don't know, even know who I'm fighting type thing. You know what I'm saying? And then he lost the decision there. So maybe this is that, maybe this is that situation, but I'm pretty damn sure he knows exactly who Jorge Masvidal is. Jorge's like a fighter's so. fighter. He's about, he's about to find out. He's about to find out. Like, Jorge's your favorite fighter's favorite fighter type thing, you know? I, I like him a lot. I, I just hope he wins because I just, just cause I like him, man. I hope he wins. Yeah, I hope he wins as well. Well, shit, we covered the whole card, man. It's going to be a good one. And, you know, real quick, I forgot Wait, to uh, mention. Who's, your fighter, to, who's I know, your fighter to watch? I know, my fighter to watch. Alessio DiCirico, look. I mean, uh, is he legit or not? I, I want to find out. And going in there against a guy like Spicely, I mean, if he gets choked out here, I mean, there's always the chance that he can rebound. I mean, he's still young. But if he really wants to go out there and put his name on the map, getting that first-round stoppage over a guy like Spicely, who, you know, he's got the momentum coming off that huge underdog win against Tiago Santos. I mean, that was a huge upset. So Spicely's got momentum. And like you were saying earlier in your breakdown, when, you, you know, when – Maybe if Spicy realizes, like, hey, I can choke these guys out, that'd be a big statement if Alessio put him out. So, you know, I I, I want to see if he's legit, man, because Alessio and Marvin Vittori seem like the real deal to me. You know, even though Vittori lost that last fight, I still think he's going to be a lot better in his next fight. I mean, the kid's like 23, right? Alessio's around that age, too. Yeah. So I feel like we're going to see a better version every time. So he's my fighter to watch, man. What do you think? I, you ruined our streak. Every every week we pick opposing. You pick the fighter to watch that's in my fight to watch, and I pick the fighter to watch that's in your fight to watch. <laughs> but you ruined it. You didn't. You didn't pick Jason Knight. You were supposed to. Damn you. <laughs> I've got. Uh, let me run through the bets real quick because I didn't uh, amass them and say them at once. I've got two point four unit round robin, which is Masvidal, Marquardt, Sterling decision, and Orlovsky inside the distance. I've got one unit in. On Kimball at plus 130. I've got one and a half units on uh, Nganu doesn't go the distance. Uh, Alvi doesn't go the distance. And an open slot for a particular Bellator fighter that odds haven't come out on yet. I've got 1.5 units on the Nganu under with Knight. That plays a whopping plus 181, which sounds ridiculous. I've got five units on Rodriguez, who won the last UFC with my man Lil Jangalang, that's even money that pays five units. 
I got 2.5 units on Valentina Shevchenko, and I got 2 units on Jorge Masvidal, and I'll have something on Bellator, which is kind of funny because I barely ever bet Bellator, but now I'm betting it two weeks in a row, Sean, you know, breaking every rule. So, but, no, we, but man, we got a good opportunity on Friday. I mean, should we talk about it or should we wait? I mean, because I'm curious what this is. We might as well. I think, you, I don't think it's a secret. Yeah. I think people know, or they should know. I mean, look. You know? I fade Melvin Gillard every single fight, no matter what. You know, even in the Rickles fight, and that one cost me, but, you know, the Gertz and the Campos one made up for it. But, you know, that's at 155, right? And this is a guy that should not be fighting at 170. Now he's going up there to fight shitty Andrew Kawani, who is not only a huge 170-pounder, but the dude's like a technical striker. You know, like you were describing in a past episode, he's the kind of guy that, you know... Nick Diaz will bring in to emulate Anderson Silva. Like, like he, he's that deep into the game, Sean. And now he's fighting Melvin Gillard, and Chitty's looking better than ever. You know, he's coming off like a 20-second knockout over a hype prospect. <laughs> and now Melvin, you know, he doesn't want to cut to 55 anymore, so he's going up to 70. It's more of like a, you know, because he, he missed weight, like every single fight type thing, like four fights in a row or some crazy shit. Yeah, it's not because he's like disciplined and can't make the weight. Um, so yeah, yeah, gonna go big on Chitty. I'm curious where they open it, and I'm curious where the public takes it, because look, the name Melvin Gillard, I mean, you still think about the highlight reel knockouts, but, you know, obviously, you and I think about this new guy that looks nothing like the old Melvin Gillard, but maybe for casual bettors, they'll think that, you know, they, they're not familiar with Chitty Njikawani. Maybe they think it's the old Njikawani, Anthony, his brother, you know what I'm saying? So you never know. Because you were expecting like a minus 250 on Li Jingliang, and he's minus 140. So you really never know. We were expecting a minus 800 on Yair, and we got a minus 380. So I'm not going to put it past anybody to open this, you know what I'm saying? Minus 2 or less. What if it's minus 190? Would you be surprised? I wouldn't, dude. Oh, no. If it's, if it's not anywhere under minus 400, I'll be doubling what I would have bet on him. But I think it's going to be in minus four hundred range. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't, I don't understand why it wouldn't be. But like you said, I, I'm 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 salivating over minus two fifty on on a little jangling and waiting for that. And when it opened one forty, I was like, well, okay. You know what I'm saying? Can't guess these things, I guess. Well, actually, we can because we talked about a certain guy who opened certain odds, who likes people from a certain part of the country. And then that happens, so you know maybe you can kind of figure it out a little bit. But uh, Chidi and Jukawani, you know his weakness is getting wrestled. Uh, do we have to worry about that here? No. Do we have to worry about Melvin Gillard landing a huge, you know, looping right hand cannonball on his head? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, but technically, uh, Chidi and Jukawani is just way better. Technically, he's pinpoint accurate he looks to hurt you he can hit you with uh with any limb and, and any joint and just get you the fuck out of there this guy's not joking around he's coming into his own uh he's going to be a big star over there uh they're not pushing him as hard as as they should maybe this is the fight to push him on maybe but the biggest thing about this is a fade melvin gillard b if you give melvin gillard 15 extra pounds that's not 15 extra pounds of practice. That's not 15 <laughs> extra pounds of muscle. That's not 15 extra pounds of, of, you know, a new camp and like this. And this. it's not 15 extra pounds of determination. That's 15 extra pounds of hamburgers and cocaine and drinking and going to clubs. It's, it's an allowance 
to not crush yourself and make weight, which he couldn't fucking do anyway. Now you're giving him a little bit more room to be a little bit more Melvin Gillard, and that's what you're going to get. You're going to get a worse Melvin Gillard than we've seen every other time, which at this point is even tough to imagine. But he's going to pay for it, probably with his teeth, in the first round. Yeah, I'm not too worried about the haymaker, man. I mean, unless unless Chitty like straight up hasn't been training for this fight and thinks it's a total joke, which he just doesn't strike me as that kind of guy. He he, he kind of seems, you know, he comes off as like a lifelong martial artist as well. So, you know, kind of like Valentina. So I feel like, you know, he's going to come in prepared. I'm not worried about him not taking it seriously. If you were betting on Melvin, I mean, you're betting on a dude that doesn't show up to the gym. You know, all his former teammates from every gym he's trained at have said that. That's why he's a habitual gym hopper. You can't find a home because, you know, he doesn't show up, man. And he hasn't been showing up. That's because fights. people want you to work. It's because you're like, hey, you need to work if you're here. And he's like, work? What's that? You know what I'm saying? He's not interested. I love him going up in weight. It's terrible. It's the worst thing he could have done. Yeah, so depending on the line, I mean, this might be a big one. We'll have to find out where uh, where they see the lines fit, right? Yeah, it, you can match it with Nganu and Arlovsky doesn't go to distance. It's minus 600, but it's going to take the bite out of whatever retarded line that they give you on Njukawani, and then you can parlay it with something else that's that's a little bit higher and go that route if you want. Or what, Chitty perhaps Daniel is, is... Well, I mean, I can't fucking argue with that. That sounds great to me, but, uh, you know, like... I'm not using the L word because we know what that means, but uh, the most the most Love. likely outcome that I see, uh, the L-O-C, <laughs> the last letter, I'm not saying it, the curse. Um, the best looking bet on the card, uh, minus 600 for, for Nganu and Arlovsky not going the distance. How the fuck does that not happen? You know what I'm saying? I can't even imagine that one going the distance. I, I literally can't happen. tell you a scenario. I mean, that's what happens, though, right? When you're like, oh, shit, that's the easy one. No, it's not an easy one. Mark Hunt versus Ben Rothwell. That was Denver, too. Yep. That was Denver. Yeah, that was Denver. Okay. I guess it could look like that. That'd be crazy because, I mean, can Orlowski fight for three rounds at this point without just falling over on his own? Who no. knows? <laughs> but anyway, that... I would match match that. In my case, I'm doing it with uh, Alvi, and uh, uh, Alvi doesn't go to the distance because, you know, I think he gets him. But if you're looking for something to match with Njukawani, that, that Arlovsky doesn't go to the distance is pretty good. Lower your price. Awesome. Well, Sean, before we get out of here, anything you want to tell the supporters of Half the Battle? Um, uh, later on, I will be doing the... Uh, the How I Watch Fights podcast. Daniel did it as well. I think it's a good idea. It's, it's fun to listen to. It's not a podcast like we do. It's kind of about something completely different. But I'll finally be uh, uh, having a chance to explain why I do not wait and uh, how I get carried all the time. So uh, I'm happy to finally be able to explain that. And then a couple other angles that I use uh, over and over again, stuff like that. It's, it's a fun little show. I, I like it. So you guys should check that out too. Yeah, it's a great show. Shout out to my boy, John. Thank you for making that video, and I'm pumped to see yours, man. So definitely going to be checking that out. And for all the supporters, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Best Fight Picks. Go to bestfightpicks.com for the plays. 
Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.